Welcome to the Penny and Pops podcast. He's Spencer Penny Strode. I'm Adam Pops Papa Giorgio. We're two months into this NBA campaign. Due to COVID-19 positive tests with the Magic, as well as across the league, uh, you know, the Magic's December 20th game in Toronto has been postponed. It's the first Orlando game impact this season. I'd say likely not the last, the way the you know Omicron variant is spreading like wildfire around the world. Now's a good time, as any, for a progress report pod. The Magic are 6-25 and with the second worst record in the league. Detroit is only slightly worse than us, based off of percentage points, at 5-24. and The three worst teams at the end of the season each have a 14% chance at the number one draft pick. That didn't fare well for us last season. Uh, the Magic haven't moved up in a draft lottery in 14 draft lotteries. Uh, so, uh, you know, some people can say we're, we're overdue, but... Others can say maybe don't rely on the tank. Uh, three of the Magic's six wins this season have come in New York City. So based on that little fact, you can imagine just uh, how garbage we've been at Amway Center this season, which is a 2-10 and 10 record at home. So Weltham's tanking plans are holding up. For the second straight season, we lead the league in games missed due to injury, as there's still no timetable for when we'll see Markel Fultz and Jonathan Isaac on the parquet floor. For every bright spot, like Cole Anthony or Franz Wagner, there's a lot of negatives we're going to discuss. Let's go. Okay, Penny. Let's. Uh, it's been two months since we uh, did the last pod, but we're we're gonna dive into this COVID nineteen stuff since it's the most recent things going on. So we're recording this on Monday, uh, December twentieth, uh, early evening. So uh, as of Thursday, so a couple of days ago, uh, you know, Iggy Brasdakis was listed as out due to health and safety protocols, which I actually don't like how that's worded. It's just a vague way of saying he tested positive for COVID-19 and is being isolated. But uh, yeah, it, it kind of desensitizes kind of things a little bit like that when you say it the way that the league does it and what the well, what all major sports leagues basically say. Just say he tested positive for COVID-19. That's, that's all you got to do. But um, Iggy was the second Magic player this season at the time to be on that that report uh many people forget uh because he's been out all season but michael carter williams early this season was also listed as being in the nba's health and safety protocols uh but then friday before the the heat game the floodgates really opened up uh where you added basically four more magic players to that to that COVID 19 list so it was mo bamba rj hampton terrence ross and uh mo wagner uh all um all were out uh, uh, testing positive for COVID-19. So they joined Brzezakis on that list. And some, of, according to Coach Jamal Mosley, some of those guys, you know, were, are luckily asymptomatic, but also some of these guys have dealt with uh, symptoms, uh, supposedly on the minor side, hopefully on the minor side. Uh, so that left the magic with a roster issue because you need eight guys to be active. And with, Cole Anthony's out with the ankle and Jalen Suggs out with a broken thumb. J.I., Fultz, Moore, MCW also were, out, were not going to suit up. They were out with injuries or recovery and whatnot. So in came the Lakeland Magic hardship exemption signing. So Ooh. 
uh, <laughs> I don't know. Do we? Do, I like the hardship exemption. I, that was that that that's a that's a better wording than than the health and safety protocol uh, stuff. I, I like hardship exemption signings, but um, the yeah, league the G League guys like it too. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, I'm really happy for them. I'm happy for G League guys. I'm happy like Isaiah Thomas is starting for the Lakers right now. Like I. We're going to one of the bright things that's going to come from this over the next few weeks is that you're going to have G League guys. You're going to have guys who would not have otherwise been in the league just have big games like I I can just see that happening. And that's about the only good thing coming from this is you got these guys trying to live the NBA dream or trying to get back in the NBA that are going to get their opportunities and they're actually going to get paid a decent amount more money than they would otherwise. So good for them. Um, But, you know, the league is going this route for as long as possible, I guess, to, to prevent more postponements of games. But, uh, you know, they're going this hardship exemption rule, you know, route where uh, just to pretty, pretty much get to the finish line of these Christmas TV slate games that are coming up. Um, I don't know what's going to happen after Christmas, but, you know, for now, basically, if you have a player or several players out due to COVID, like you have to sign guys from the G League, you know, either your G League team or just from elsewhere to, to fill those those roster spots to, to play games. So, um, you know, I, I just don't see a situation now where the league is going to, going to pause games before Christmas, maybe even maybe after, but I I just don't see that even though there's like a hundred guys, I think already now this season, hundred NBA players that are, that are out due to, due to COVID-19. And some guys have been hit multiple times. So that's, that's the fun part about COVID is that, you know, even if you're vaccinated, even if you've had COVID, you can easily get it again. I think I remember before the vaccines had even rolled out, there was this one woman in like a calendar year who got COVID-19 like seven different times, which was just insane. But that's that can happen. So um, but with the NBA's point of view, like I get it There's a business. There's a ton of money at stake it being well, you know, with the TV money. It sucks for the NBA, I guess, that because Christmas is on a Saturday, they're sharing still TV spotlight with the NFL. And, you know, I, I hope that TV money is worth it because there's this, this isn't slowing down with the Omicron variant. Like it's, it's a lot of people are going to test positive and maybe they'll go the NFL route because the NFL, I think is doing the, that, the thing where if, if you're vaccinated, like they're not testing you. So <laughs> the ignorance is bliss route for commerce purposes. Yeah. So I don't know if the NBA is going to get into an agreement with the NBA PA or something to be like, okay, if you're vaccinated, like we're not testing you. Like if you feel sick or you, you know, you're dealing with symptoms, we'll, we'll deal with it then. But you know, I, it, it's tough to say because, you know, the league, they were, they were the first major sports league around the world to, to basically, basically around the world to shut down, you know, this first go around back in March, 2020, and they lost a lot of money because of it. They took a lot of hits, you know, monetarily that other leagues didn't take as much as they did. And, you know, money makes the world go around. And like, thankfully, nobody has, nobody in the NBA has been, you know, severely physically ill to the point where, you know, they're, they're about to die or they like, I've heard comments from players like Joel Embiid that you know said like yeah I like I, I got it rough and we don't know like the long COVID implications of this situation but if I could see a situation where you know the league and the uh, NBA PA are like look if if everybody's vaccinated 
they can play like as long as no one's going through symptoms. Like if everybody's asymptomatic, like let them play. I could see that happening. I'm not going to say that's right or wrong. I'm not because I have, I, I don't believe I've ever tested positive for COVID. I don't think I've gone through COVID systems. Maybe I have. That's the weird thing with COVID. You know, it can be, it can be quick. It could be, you could be asymptomatic every time you get it. You know, you don't know till you test positive or you feel those symptoms. So there's no right or wrong answer, but I do think the league kind of kind of screwed themselves earlier this season when they were like, no, we're not going to require vaccines. So now you have guys like Kyrie Irving that are crawling back to, to the nets and, and trying to play like games on the road because he, he can't play home games because he's not vaccinated. And of course, the second he's, he's ready to, to rejoin the team, he tests positive for COVID and it's going to be out anyway. So there's a lot of dominoes. There's a lot of stuff going on. Um, but from a, from a business perspective, I get why the NBA is just desperate to get to Christmas. And it's, it's going to be hard for them with these postponements already that they have to reschedule games because most states around the country have all their major arenas packed full of events. And it's, you, you know, you're going to see games played maybe early in the afternoon, maybe in different venues even. So We'll see how that goes. Um, I mean, I don't know, Penny. Uh, I, any thoughts of what I said right now with the COVID stuff? I just kind of threw a bunch in there. But um, it's like my viewpoint is COVID-19 is not going away for, for a couple years. Like, I, it, would, it wouldn't shock me. Like, it took over a decade for polio to basically be handled, even when the vaccine started coming out. And now we live in an age where, you know, only like, 70% of the world believes in vaccines and you got like another 30 or so percent that doesn't. And that's a problem and it's going to keep being a problem. And you're going to have all these variants. It's going to very far surpass the Greek alphabet. You know, we're, we're already at Omicron and it's like people, you know, people, people are already struggling learning enough Greek letters. So imagine having to go through the rest of the alphabet, but it's going to yeah. go beyond that. And it's, I, it's interesting because I think, Obviously, we're talking about a corporation, right? So yeah. the NBA's the NBA has competing interests in terms of um, uh, financial responsibility and obligation versus health and safety, and then health and safety versus um, you know in the real world outside of sports, I guess health and safety against politics against. Um, socioeconomic things and again with you know corporations and greed and um but also you know financial obligation to shareholders in the world that we live in we're i'm not a smart person um but it's yeah you're a pretty smart well, person. if if you're a g-league guy who gets a call up right you and you're toiling in minor leagues and you know maybe you're playing in sioux falls during you know, when you're not overseas or whatever the case may be, yeah. would you put your health and safety at risk to play for 10 days to possibly latch on and change your life? You would, but if you're um, an overweight immunocompromised fan in the stands who comes for entertainment on your own volition and then gets sick and um, it's just, you know, it's competing priorities and competing odds. And I, I don't know what the right answer is to anything from looking at the calendar now. And we're what, tw you know, essentially 21 plus months into this thing. And I think the refrain from everybody, especially when we're talking about the NBA, where the players themselves are 
for the most part, young and healthy. Um, and then also when these variants are primarily, you know, really devastating to people with underlying health conditions or the elderly that everyone's ready to move on and, and has been ready to move on for a long time. And I would just say, you know, I, I think you and I, you and I come from um, a, a, a reserved and liberal bent to this thing. Um, I'm putting words in your mouth, but no, you you're, know, you're not wrong. You're right. I, I, mean, I purchased a month of, I'm just going to say this. I purchased a month of Apple TV so I could watch Ted Lasso. And I had the pleasure of watching uh, brilliant American actor, Tom Hanks in the movie Finch. Have you seen Finch? No, I've, I actually will watch that. So okay. if, you, if you say it's good, I'm definitely going to so, watch it. So in the movie, it's a kind of post-apocalyptic. And one of the things is that the ultraviolet radiation is so strong that if you were to step out into the world in the daytime, your skin would burn off. Oh, so fun. that's, look, that's a, in that movie, in that world, that's the present condition of the world. And you can't just go, you know what? I, I'm tired of wearing this protective suit and only going out at night because we've been protecting ourselves from the UV rays for so long and I'm getting tired of it. And I'm just going to live my normal life. Like yeah. it's a, obviously that's a physical, more physical threat and more tangible than a virus that exists. And no, but it's know, a good comparison. But like you, comparison. you're, it exists. And to, again, you have to make a calculated decision at this point, whether it's vaccination, whether it's, you know, how, how, and when you choose to engage in certain behaviors and the NBA is making uh, a highly calculated decision that they got to cash them checks. And at this point, I think it just kind of is what it is. Yeah. Look, I mean, personally, like I got my booster shot, my Pfizer booster shot uh, about three, four weeks ago. And, um, you know, I did it knowing that you know, I was going to go to Denver for this bachelor trip. And I did uh, last week and Denver was awesome. It was great. There's a lot more people vaccinated in Denver than there is here in the state of Florida, you know, here in Orlando as well. So, um, but I'm at the point where it's like, I've, I've, I'm doing my part. I've done my part. Like I will still wear a mask if I'm going to like a grocery store, if I'm going to shop, but if I'm going to like a bar, I'm assuming I'm with patrons who either know the risk or don't care. So I won't wear a mask in a bar. So there's just kind of circumstantial stuff with all that, but um, you know, the, I, I'm hoping that people will, will figure will, will, more and more people will lean towards getting vaccinated and getting boosters. But, um, you know, you have a, a health and a health system that's, that's already kind of strain, you know, straining itself again. I think there was a, uh, an ad taken down like the Cleveland plane dealer by all these healthcare companies and hospitals, like that's, that said help, like, like help, like we're, we're already being strained. You've got doctors and nurses quitting because they've dealt with almost two years of all this stress and all this stuff and people just making the same repeat mistakes and just not, not believing that vaccination is the best way to get out of this. And I'll just leave it at that. But, um, you know, going back to that Miami game from a couple of days ago, you know, before we, we signed those, the four Lakeland guys to the, these hardship ex ex exemption contracts, um, Aleem Ford, Admiral Schofield, B.J. Johnson and Hassani Gravit, which I used to think his last name was Gravet, but I guess it's Gravit. And I honestly think he should go with Gravet because I think Gravet sounds better, but I'm not going to tell a man how to say his last name. But um, Certainly not you, yeah. 
But David Steele actually on the Brooklyn broadcast kind of had a good story just stating how like how proud Hassani's dad was. And it's like there is there is a gravit, you know, on the on the back of an NBA jersey. And that's that's a, that was a cool little little story. And it is actually interesting to see because I know David and Jeff and the Fox well, and the Bally sports crew didn't make it on this road trip. And I don't know if it was always scheduled for that or if there's something else going on for, from a testing perspective or whatnot, I'm not going to speculate. People want to say they've tested positive or there's, there's a re, you know, there's a reason why they didn't go on the trip. Cause it would have, they would have done Brooklyn. They would have done uh, Toronto, but again, we're, we're speaking Monday night when there should be a Raptors game going on with the magic and it's not happening uh, because it's been postponed and then finishing up that road trip in Atlanta uh, before you know, conveniently or not conveniently having a second night of a back-to-back back home where we play New Orleans on Thursday. So it'll be interesting to see if Wednesday and or Thursday's game against Atlanta and New Orleans gets pushed back. I know the Hawks are playing on, on Christmas uh, in Madison Square Garden, I believe it is, against the Knicks. And Trey Young's already out because of COVID-19. So who knows if the league just pushes, you know, postpones that game so that the Hawks and Trey Young can maybe uh, play, you know, fairly full strength against the Knicks. So there's, there's a lot of stuff and there's a lot of focus on Christmas and it's, it's going to be intriguing to see how this unfolds because no one knows. And the NBA is definitely in a scramble situation right now uh, for that heat game. I do wish the magic would have signed marching Gortat who was sitting courtside. He, uh, he would have came in handy because that was a game you know, or window, you know, gets hurt. We're short on bigs, Robin Lopez being basically our only center. Uh, at the, you know, during that game, because Bamba's out with COVID and Wendell's hurt, but um, you know, rebounding becomes a problem. And when you have guys like Max Struess and Gabe Vincent just torching you from deep, um, combined with Heat fans just taking over Amway Center again, and it's just it, it wasn't a fun thing to watch. Uh, there, there was it wasn't a fun watch experience. So it was super, super pleasantly surprising that the Magic, less than twenty four hours later, end up beating Brooklyn. You know, you know, beating the Nets in Brooklyn, they didn't have guys like Durant. You know, their their best player was basically Patty Mills and a washed up Blake Griffin, and I guess a super hyper energetic David Duke looking to pr- prove himself. But um, you know, behind like a, a Robin Lopez twenty ten game, and then Chuma and Franz coming up clutch. Uh, thankfully, we we ended what was our I guess second seven game losing streak over this past month. So, you know, the wins have been f- few and far between, but. They're 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 winning enough, I guess, at, at the at the opportune times to where it sort of limits uh, ultimate and ginormous fan magic fan stress and despair. I guess there's been some feel good wins here and there. Um, you know, that one Saturday, it was just fun watching Robin Lopez just do his thing. And I think he had 22 field goal attempts in the game. I would have given him 44. I would have wanted to see what he would have done. But he was pretty gassed by the end of it. I mean, man's not not playing that much. But I don't know. what what Any thoughts on either the Miami game or the Brooklyn game, Penny? I mean, I, I think overall at this point, you know, we've had our fair share over the last several seasons of, of uh, 10 days and two ways and you know, getting to see fringe people try and get an opportunity, but it is nice to see um, some of the guys in Lakeland get a call up and get meaningful minutes and have that opportunity where you get some of those stories like, you know, gravit on a, on a Jersey and stuff like that. So that's cool. Um, There, to me, there was more excitement in the season um, 
20 games ago. Uh, at this point, I think when you tune in, you kind of know what you're what you're going to get and you're hopeful that Franz does something cool or Cole scores a lot of points or Chuma yeah. doesn't look like he did, you know, <laughs> for every game other than the last two or whatever. And beyond that, at this point, the the hope is to win more games than the Bobcats did, right? That, that's my hope is you you get one every couple and get to double digits. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I think we'll get there comfortably, especially if we get bodies back. But it's it, it's rough, and we'll, I'll, I'll get into further details of that, and we'll talk about kind of the roster and stuff later on. Because I mean, we haven't we haven't done this pod since our season preview two two months ago, but. Uh, it is reported that the Magic are going to assign another guy, Freddie Gillespie, to a uh, to a hardship exemption. He would be the 22nd Magic player on the roster at the moment. So you got the 15, you got the two two-way guys in in Mulder and, and Bresdakis. And I actually would be curious to know if Bresdakis got uh, caught COVID-19 either during a Lakeland Magic game that he played in or in an actual Orlando Magic game. That, that, but that's something that they'll probably, that'll probably never be shared and who knows if they've even done the contact tracing for that. But um, and then if you add the four hardship guys that I already mentioned, you know, it's not official yet, but Gillespie would be the 22nd magic player. So it's, it's going to be interesting. <laughs> You're going to see teams with, with like 20, 25 guys on their roster, probably all, all over, all across the league. So um, it probably didn't officially happen because that Monday Raptors game get, did get canceled. And I think as of Sunday night, the, the, those magic players on the roster who aren't, you know, in isolation are, are in Atlanta. So they've got a few days to, to, I guess, either practice or relax or just avoid getting COVID until that, that Wednesday Atlanta game, if that game even happens. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes, but I do wish for now that the league would implement just, well, not even implement because there's fans should be wearing masks, but depending on the city or the state, like it's a pretty, lackadaisical situation with masks and it doesn't help when I'm watching Matt, you know, the magic games and the coach the magic coaching staff, isn't even really wearing their masks or they're really, really half-assing the, the wearing of their masks. And they just need to kind of emphasize the strictness of that. Cause that does make a difference. Mask wearing does help a lot in preventing the spread of what is this, you know, Omicron variant that is very, very easy to spread uh, across, you know, across individuals. So, um, and then the other thing is it'll be interesting to see because it's all about the TV money. You know, they're, they're going to play games just to meet these, these TV contracts, but it'll be interesting to see if they implement some type of uh, restrictions on the percentage of, of attendee attendees in NBA arenas right now, you know, it's left up to local, you know, local governments at this point, but, uh, but it'd be nice to see a magic at least, say, you know, well, not the magic because the magic don't even get enough people and we're low on attendance anyway. We're probably at like 70% if we're lucky anyway on attendance. So, but it'd be nice to see the NBA kind of say, let's, let's cut the crowds down to like 50%. I get it. Teams are going to lose money and, and, and whatnot, but it's like this, you can't have guys continuously getting COVID. And again, you can get it as many times during a year as, as can be. I think there was an NBA guy that tested, I think it was Josh Richardson for the Celtics. He tested positive twice in like 10 days or in two weeks. So, um, you know, it's, it's not something that's going to, you know, people say, you know, preach natural immunity, uh, you know, and even whether you're vaccinated or you've gotten COVID within the past six months, like you can still get it again, you can spread it. 
Like it's not going to magically go, you know, go away or stop if everybody gets COVID-19, you know, maybe that might be the NBA's plan where it's like, okay, let's get guys vaccinated. If they get COVID now in the next, you know, few months, you know, maybe, maybe then there'll be enough immunity built up where it's not a problem in the playoffs. I hope that's not the plan, but I can see that being the plan. And that's not something I would risk, especially since, you know, so far the league's been lucky that no one's, no one's died as far as you know, players or coaching staff go. Um, but again, I do think it was a cowardly move by the league that from the start of the season, they didn't mandate vaccines for all players, coaches, and staff, uh, you know, when the season started and now they're just in this awkward spot where they're scra- you know, scrambling, to keep the season running. Um, but I, I do want to kind of go over, just catch up some, on some stuff since we, we last did a pod on October 19th. So I mean, early on the season when Jalen Suggs was healthy, the Magic started Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs, Franz Wagner, uh, Wendell Carter Jr., Mo Bamba uh, starting five a lot early in the season, like a decent amount. And it's just funny to see that the oldest player on that roster was a 23-year-old Mo Bamba. And through the second week of November, so like three, four weeks in the season, like that five-man lineup was the best in the league when it came to points per 100 possessions. Now that's that was no longer the case as of like mid November, but, um, and it doesn't mean much when you have a terrible record, but I just thought that was intriguing with that starting five. I don't know if you have any thoughts on, on just how young that roster is where Obama's the elder statesman at 23 years old, or just how, how it looked. I mean, it, We'll get into individual it players. exceeded expectations, right? I mean, it was, yeah. Um, I don't think going into the season, we expected Twin Towers to be the, the way that they rolled out um, no. the starting lineup. And um, obviously, you know, the at the start of the season, Bamba was shooting a lot better than he is now, but uh, the numbers didn't lie in terms of effectiveness. And also, I think, you know, the film didn't lie either, just in terms of seeing them on the floor, it all kind of worked out. Um, and then it all went to shit <laughs> the second that somebody popped up off the bench, which is yeah. not surprising, given the construction and health of the roster. Yeah, it's it was just it was very it's just it's a very intriguing stat in that situation. But I took a peek at the worst records in Magic history. Uh, I saw that when we were four and 17, I think Luke Hetridge had tweeted out uh, from, uh, was it Bright House Network Sports or Spectrum Sports? Sorry, that, um, you know, that four and 17 start to the season was the worst start in franchise history since the infamous 2003 2004 season. But uh, this six and 25 start right now that we're on with the Magic is, is, is actually even worse somehow. So we're right now three games off my 25 win prediction. So, I think if I told you now that the Magic would win 22 games, I think we'd both be surprised at this point. But I, I do think we are going to get bodies back. But it's, it's actually interesting that we're we're only three games off my 25 game prediction at the 25 win prediction at this point. Um, but because I I really can't see us winning 20 games at this rate you know, I, with the injuries and just with how many guys we've we've kept off the floor but and then out COVID I don't want to step runners. on your toe well it's going to be it. difficult too because you don't know who we're rolling out there to play each night and you don't know who we're playing against each night I mean if it yeah. ends up being uh you know complete replacement player rosters then who who can say but 
Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, the the least amount of games the Magic have won in a full 82-game season is 18. Is that yes, correct? Yes, correct. That's the inaugural team. Right. 89-90. Are we are we worried about that? Is that in jeopardy? I actually, ooh, well, I mean, we're. I'll say it right now because, well, gosh, because remember, because well, not remember. We we were both either toddler, yeah, we were both toddlers at that point, but um, or, or barely born at that point. But uh, that eighty nine ninety team started, I think seven and seven, I think it was, and then they yep. just fell off a cliff uh, after that. With this Magic team, they they did get all they did have a very hard schedule, and it is going to ease up uh, towards the second half of the season. And if you have guys like Fultz and and Isaac and just just bodies coming back that are actual NBA players, um, I think it. I think we are going to rack up wins. But from a tanking perspective, I mean, you mentioned the replacement player stuff. I, I mean, the Lakeland Magic are NBA champions or are uh, are uh, G League champions. So, um, you know, maybe our G leaguers are better than, than some of the others that are coming in. Uh, I mean, I do like, you know, Hassani and BJ Johnson are, are, are good. Uh, they're like, I, I think they've held their own so far, like Ford and Schofield, not so much, but, um, we'll see about Freddie Gillespie. People love Freddie Gillespie, but, uh, I could see a situation where the replacement players actually ruin the tank. And like, we might see Weltam have to have to like wave these guys because we're the magic are picking up wins that they don't want to pick up. But, um, you know, currently this, this is the worst magic campaign in franchise history, actually. Cause I, I looked at the Jacques Vaughn, Scott Skiles, Fra- you know, Frank Vogel errors, but we, we actually got off to good starts in each of those seasons where we, we finished with 25 wins or less. And then, you know, this is the longest in a season that it's ever taken us to get to six wins in franchise history. Like I said, we're six and 25. Um, I mentioned a four and 17 kind of figure compared to the 0304 campaign. Well, that was a 21 win season, that 0304 campaign, where, you know, we start one and oh, we go on that 19 game losing streak where Doc Rivers gets fired in the middle of it. We beat Phoenix to get to two and 19 and Gordon Gearchick is getting MVP chance. Cause I was in the building and it was still one of the most bizarre things I'll ever remember. And I've been to, I've been, I went to way too many Oh three Oh four games that then I want to admit. So I, I remember this more than most people, but um, you know, that McGrady team starts picking up wins again. Cause you know, they have that one in 19 stretch and then, Counting that Phoenix game, they win six of the next eight games in that stretch, six of eight games during that stretch. So they get to, you know, six and 21, seven and 21, which is better than the current six and 25 Magic team. So the Magic or this current Magic roster, this current Magic team is rock bottom when it comes to uh, being 31 games into an NBA season, I guess. So, um, you know, as a team right now, the Magic are bottom five in a lot of statistical categories. Just, just a lot. Just there's no point in kind of naming them all. We're we're bad. Uh, despite you know, again, a feel good win here or there, just to kind of keep Magic fans off the ledge or the fake ledge. Uh, you know, the only notable category we're top ten in is three point attempts per game, where we're tenth. We're tenth in the league and in, in three point attempts. We're sixteenth in three pointers made, so we're at least middle of the pack. But um, again, you know, that top five kind of strength of schedule difficulty hasn't, hasn't helped the cause, but 
I mean, we've we've been an underdog in basically every game. I think from a betting stat line, so um, you know, strength of schedule just doesn't matter as much when you're when you're bad. That's that's how I see it. But who knows? I mean, maybe maybe I mean with the lighter schedule and again with bodies coming back, I, I do foresee it getting better. Especially if Fultz is actually back and starting at point guard and doing his thing, I, I really can see a a big improvement coming. But all right, so let's look at the roster. Who we're liking? Who we're concerned about? Uh, we're going to leave the hardship exemption signings out of it because we haven't really seen enough of them. But let's go with the the bigs. So Wendell Carter Jr. in 30 starts is at about 12 and a half points per game, almost 10 rebounds, uh, two and a half assists. All of those are career highs, shooting 50.2%, and then 34.5% uh, from three on four attempts per game, which is all very solid. And that's mostly playing at power forward. He's not even his natural position and he got hurt, you know, a few games ago. Initially it looked like he just kind of banged his knee, but goes down, he's crying. He has to go in the wheelchair. He's wheeled off into the Amway center uh, atrium, I guess. And you just kind of fear kind of the worst back, you know, as, as he's getting wheeled off to the locker room, it just, it did not look good. They did an MRI on his leg. He's listed his day-to-day with a muscle strain to basically, I don't know if it's his knee or they call it, I think there's lower leg region. I don't know. I, I don't know the specifics they used, but um, whether that's a calf or a knee, not sure. I could use some more specifics, but the Magic don't care for that. Um, does the strain include a partial tear? Because if it does, as a person, me, who partially tore his own calf last month, I was in a walking boot with, you know, heel wedges for about two and a half weeks. And I probably still won't be able to run for at least another month. And, you know, Wendell may not be back in a few weeks. Like it, it sounds like he, he avoided the worst. Like he's not going to have to have surgery, which is great. Um, but I, I just would hold off on, on being too relieved. after being out of the boot. What's that? Are you, do you have, do you have calf muscle atrophy after being in the boot? I actually don't think so, which it's, it, I guess I'm fortunate because I have nat- I have strong legs. So I think, cause the doc said like, there would be kind of a notice where like one calf is going to like that calf is going to probably be like smaller or like more decreased than the other one. And I actually don't see a difference right now, but who knows that might change as I'm trying to recover. But, um, that's what I'm saying. Like, let's see with Wendell. Is it really just a strain or did he do something else to it that they're just going to naturally have heal over the next month or two? Um, but Wendell's been a top three player for us this season. He's either, depending on how on how you view what Cole and Franz Wagner have done, like Wendell's been either the third or second best player on the team for us this season. He's 22. He got that contract, the uh, front-loaded extension where he's making barely above the mid-level and it seems to be a bargain right now, and I'm I'm really happy with Wendell. Well, what about you, Penny? Yeah, I think obviously he's earned every penny of the of the contract that we've extended to him. Um, I think coming over from Chicago, the the biggest questions were durability and um, you know can he expand his range. Uh, he's been consistent in terms of productivity. Uh, I think durability is different now in today's NBA. You're not going to get 82 games from anybody anyway. So if he plays 62 and gives you the double-double and now has become both a willing and able three-point shooter, I don't think you can ask for much more than that. Um, And I obviously, I think the Magic made the right call in terms of betting on Wendell for the future versus Mo Bamba, assuming that 
they're not going to later bet on Mo Bamba. Well, let's talk about Mo Bamba now. So he's only still 23 years old. He had, he's had 27 starts at, at center or power four. I mean, he's basically been the center with windows, the power forward, but uh, Bamba 10.3 points per game, 8.6 rebounds, 2.2 blocks per game. All are career highs uh, shooting 45.7% from the field. His three-point percentage, as you said earlier, it's down. It's down to 32.4%, so not god-awful, but not not in that mid-30s where you want it on uh, four attempts per game. So, um, you know, he's all, he was already out currently with kind of an ankle thing, and now he's he's got COVID-19 again. I would pray he's vaccinated. I believe he's vaccinated, but last year, you know, we didn't have vaccines as an option. We all saw how badly that hurt Mo physically with him getting COVID-19. And I don't think Mo should be starting at center for us right now. I, I, you know, Bamba is more than proven over these past few months that he belongs in the NBA. That was, that was the goal that he needed to show that like, Hey, I can at least at minimum be a guy that serves to be a backup center in the league. And I think he's more than proven that there's still lapses in play, but his motor's there now. Like it exists, like working with Cole, Cole Anthony in the off season or doing whatever he had to do has lit a fire under his ass. And I'm glad it works. And I'm, I'm hoping this isn't just a contract Bamba type situation, but I see just a noticeable way he's playing. Um, he's always going to get abused one-on-one by strong post-up centers like, you know, Valanchunas or Embiid. Like that, that's always going to happen until he just drastically strengthens his lower base, which that just that's never going to happen based on how his body type is. But he's putting up a better fight in that situation. His help block help defending has been great. It has been great. I mean, it's, it's game changing at times. There's other times where he's still, again, I already said there's lapses in play. Like he'll, he'll kind of vanish. He'll have trouble posting up like a six foot guard. You know, it's, he needs to get better at stuff like that. But um, I still think that Bamba is going to end up being traded probably this year. I mean, there's no choice. We either trade him or he's going to end up, um, you know, getting a contract extension. Uh, But he is now an interesting trade sweetener with, say, a guy like you know Terrence Ross, who you're also trying to deal away. You know, if you don't plan on paying Bamba in the long term, I mean, I don't know, Penny, would you would you throw like a mid level at Bamba? Like, I think for what our salary future is looking like, I mean, because we're already paying what sixteen million each to Isaac and Fultz right now. We got Wendell on a sweet deal. Like I, I not like mid level would be probably a good, like decent money for Mo, but I, I don't think the Magic should pay that. Not when you got again, you got Wendell. Um, you have, I mean, a veteran center and Robin Lopez on a on a hell of a deal. I just like I'm glad Mo's figured it out. But if the Magic can use him, use Ross to try and get either, you know, first round pick or another young kind of wing. Like the Magic need like another wing at this point, um, preferably like a small forward. If there's if there's one of those guys out there, and I'm not talking about Kevin Knox. I've heard people talk about Kevin Knox from the Knicks. I'm not a Kevin Knox guy. I don't want him. But um, I, I would I would trade him. You know, by by the deadline, I wouldn't. I you know maybe you could keep him on on a mid level deal, kind of get him on a two three year deal, and still then trade him because I know the front you know the the front office doesn't want to just kind of give up on guys like that, especially guys who they drafted. And um, I mean, what's what's your viewpoint on on, on Mo Penny? 
Um, I, I think you're accurate in your assessment that the first thing that he had to do this year was prove that he's worthy of another NBA contract, which he certainly has done that. I would posit this question to you, which mm-hmm. is for the same amount of money, would you rather have Kem Birch or Mo Bamba? You know what? Because Kem, and part of it too is I don't know if he's being utilized well enough in Toronto. I love Kem. Kem's my guy. Like I got some, I got some Greek bias with with Kem, but um, I think I'd actually give it to Mo just based off of age at this point because Kem's getting close to, to thirty, and we've seen Mo. Mo does enough rim protection wise, at least help rim protection wise that. I'd rather give it to him. I, I don't know. You could disagree with me, but I'd actually rather give it to Mo. I, I mean, I think, yeah, youth, right? But uh, just in terms of the the available options in the backup center pool and then also continually being able to take flyers on, um, you know, young, athletic, yeah. long guys, I just think. The, in my opinion, I think the magic, I, I think the front office cast their cat, you know, they made their bet over the mm-hmm. summer and I think you got to try whatever the optics are of giving up on, you know, your first, one of your first real swings for the fences, you know, um, I think you'd got to try and extract some value where you can and whatever trade deal that is. I think to your point, again, a, a package deal would probably be best to, uh, you know, is it going to be better than Ross and Bamba going out together? Probably not. I think that's the highest value pieces that we have that we're, you know, open to moving. Um, he's played better, right? He, yeah. He's taken advantage of the opportunity and you can't take that away from him. But he, I don't think after all this time, I don't think he's shown enough in terms of um, skill set and improvement to make a financial commitment to him beyond this season with the way the books look moving forward too. And like, it's like, there's no way we, you, we magic should be starting both Wendell and, and, and Mo. We can agree with that. Right. Because that's, that's with, correct too. Yeah. yeah. Because be it either, you know, Isaac, Franz, Chuma, whatever, like I, I, I'm starting those guys at the four over, you know, over Bamba at that point. So um, let's look at the other center. Well, depends how you view Mo, uh, Mo Wagner, but uh, let's talk about Rolo because Robin Lopez has been a treat this year so far, be it with uh, some of the stuff content, just some of those his interviews, and then he'll whip out a 2010 game just like that on a Saturday night in Brooklyn. But, you know, he's 33 years old. He's only played 13 games this season. He started three of them, eight and a half points per game, 4.1 rebounds, 58.3% from the field at 18 minutes per game. And I, I can't ask much more from him. I mean, he's the third string center. He could easily be the backup center. That's why, again, I'm more than fine trading Bamba, especially when you're looking at this season. But Rolo can easily be the backup center for the next few years. What do you think, Penny? Uh, well, I don't know about that. But, yeah, he, he, he's given you exactly what you've brought him in to do, which is play minutes when he needs to and, you know, foster a positive locker room environment and provide a veteran presence when he doesn't. So um, in terms of what he was brought in to do, I think it's a, a plus so far there. Um, Jonathan Isaac, I'm going to go real quick through him because we've seen him way too much on TV or at political conventions. And I can find out. 
uh, more news uh, about the bowel movements of Zion Williamson and Clay Thompson on Twitter than I can on the timeline for a J.I. return. And he's still unvaccinated. And uh, maybe we'll see him in January. It, that, you know, the rumor keeps getting pushed back. I mean, he had that interview back in, what, early November, I think it was, where he's like, I'm ready now. I think he said that maybe even before the season started. But, you know, he's – he says he's ready now. There's been no talk of him even participating in practices. So I don't know if the magic are keeping him away because he, you know, part of it, part of the reason because he's not vaccinated part of the reason, because maybe he had a, some type of setback and we just don't know it, but you know, the magic, you know, uh, Jeff Weltman, he tries, he, he, tr- he tried that one situation what, a couple weeks ago where they had like an interview trying to be open about kind of the, injury situation and it really was just a bunch of words that didn't mean anything so um I, i'm just assuming ji is not going to be back till the all-star break at this point i don't know if you got any thoughts on ji but i mean look this guy when he's healthy is a walking defensive player of the year candidate he is and what little we saw in the bubble he was showing some like kevin durant type offense in the bubble before his leg gave out and and that's I don't know what type of GA we're going to get at this point because we got Clay Thompson that's coming back from an Achilles quicker than GI is coming back from what was supposed to be a normal knee surgery, which I called, I called BS on it at the time. And I'm looking like I'm right. And maybe he had like an Al Farouk Aminu type setback maybe where he was trying to, you know, ramp up and something happened and now they got to slow it down. But keeping quiet on this from a team perspective, isn't doing anyone any favors. Uh, and I'll just leave it at that. I don't know if you got any J.I. thoughts, man. Um, I, I just, yeah, I mean, I don't know when we'll see him. No one knows when we'll see him. Doesn't seem like it'll be anytime soon. And that's a long, long layoff, especially yeah. for a young player who has played, what, less than 150, less than 140 career games. Um, the league is continuing to evolve, right? I mean, it's it, it evolves every year and sometimes quicker than that. And he hasn't played in a long time. So I, I'd be interested to see what we're going to get if and when we do see him suit up again. And, and defensively, those, you know, those attributes will always be there. Um, do you think he'll be able to take an offensive leap? Um, it, it would be sorely needed. And despite everything else, if you're talking about just on-court production, um, he probably has the highest ceiling on the team in terms of a two-way player. So it would be nice to know what we have. I just don't know when we'll find that out. Yeah. Um, so Chumo Kiki, 25 games played, only three stars because Mobley's instead started Bamba at the four. Um, you know, Chuma's 23 years old. He missed that last dozen or so games of last season. Then he missed training camp and the start of this season. And he's just now, I feel like, starting to find his rhythm I mean, it was kind of like with his rookie campaign, really, where he got off to a really slow start, and it took him a while for him to, to find his rhythm. And he ended up hitting what was the game winner in Brooklyn Saturday, so he, he should get credit for that. Um, Chuma is averaging 7.3 points per game, 4.3 boards, 23 minutes per night. The percentages are not good. It's 37% from the field and then 25.3% from three-point range, which it, it's bad. Um, this isn't new that I'm about to say because, I mean, everyone's pointing out either on social media or other podcasts, but 
his shot just looks weirder this season. His shot form, it his release, the release of his offhand from the ball on his jump shots, it's it that release hand's coming off way too soon, uh, or the offhand's coming off way too soon, and it looks like he's shooting sometimes like Shaq would uh, attempt a, fr- a, a free throw, like. It, he's using just one hand to shoot a three pointer and it looks, and that's led to ugly misses. And that's led to a lot, I think to his percentage being that down Penny, you, you have more basketball coaching knowledge than me and just basketball uh, knowledge in general. Um, what are your thoughts on Chuma? I, I think he is ble- like the past few games. You kind of mentioned Chuma is, is I think starting to, to get it going again. I think he actually plays better when he's in a situation where the magic are shorthanded and he has to do a lot more than, what he's been doing because I do think Mosley and the coaching staff are to blame a little bit because a lot of times Chuma doesn't really know what to do, or he's just kind of chilling in a corner or something. And he, he needs to be more involved. Yeah. I think he needs to be more involved. Um, look, confidence is, is uh, a crazy thing. And if you yeah. lose it, you can pretend like you have it, but it's evident that you don't. And I think it's going to take uh, a prolonged period of positive results to keep building and stacking um, to, to get back to seeing with any consistency the, you know, kind of the flashes and glimpses that we saw last season. I would also say that we, and we'll talk about Franz later, obviously, and getting mm-hmm. that wrong, but I think Chuma is going to end up being a star as a fifth guy, right? some of his best moments last year were being a cog with our other established players. Um, He has talent in terms of playmaking, which they haven't really unleashed this year, um, partly because he's, I assume, partly because he's been so out of rhythm. Um, But I also think that his best attributes are, you know, basically knowing how to play the game and it's easier to play the game with people that know how to play the game, True. Right? which sounds stupid. But, you know, when when he's sharing the floor with other young guys who play like their age, then it makes him look worse in the same way that um, another player with high basketball IQ and Franz Wagner looked much worse in, let's say, summer league and, and preseason settings than regular season settings it just uh, the the more structure and the more talent that there is on the floor the better those guys look even though Franz looks good now um and I think that as the team continues to improve Chuma Wolf will slide into a role that's a more natural fit and I think that will uh grow or regrow the confidence and it'll just be kind of a positive evolving thing yeah, that's a very good observation. Um, I, I would, I, I would hope to see this week more Chuma and Franz together. You know, if we still got guys, you know, the same guys out with COVID, hopefully Chuma and Franz uh, can can stay COVID nineteen free and and just kind of keep playing together. Because I, I would like to see more of them kind of together, just playing off each other. But um, let's talk about the other Wagner first. Though, let's do uh, Mo Wagner, Captain Shit Talk. So the twenty four year old is just a master of pissing off opponents. And he's basically our giant sized version of Kyle Lowry. But um, Mo is probably going to get in a fight at some point sooner or later this season. So hopefully he's mentally ready for that because it's going to happen. He's, he's, he gets under people's skins like crazy. But, um, you know, he's out currently because of COVID-19. Thankfully, again, he didn't pass it on to his brother Franz somehow, who 
I mean, they live together, so I don't know how, how that happened, but I'll, I'll take it. But um, Mo, 26 games played off the bench this season, 6.3 points per game, two and a half boards, 44.9% from the field, 37% from three-point range on three uh, attempts per game from deep. I think he's been fine. It's, it's what I would expect from a third stringer. He's mostly playing, I guess, power forward. Um, you know, he's, he does play some center depending on injuries or, you know, the rotations and whatnot, but he's, he's had his moments on the floor where he'll catch fire for, with his jump shot. And I mean, I don't have a lot of complaints. My expectations were low for him. Like my goal was for him to be better than magic version of Jason Smith. And he's actually doing all right in that regard. I know you're not a big Mo Wagner guy, but I don't know what, if you got anything to add to it, Penny. I, I think, interestingly, Pat Williams seems to be a big Mo Wagner guy. Um, <laughs> he is. He very we, much is. We don't um, – the trick is not to play him, right? Uh, he, he, you don't want him to play, and he's been thrust into playing. Um, I'm surprised that the three-point percentage is as high as it is on paper because – the ones that he makes are when the game's so far out of hand and the ones that he misses are the ones where it's uh, perfect timing right in the shot pocket and with the team needing a shot to close the gap or whatever and they never go in. I don't know. I mean, he is what he is, right? And yeah, the interesting thing about that is your third string, you know, not that there's a lot of practice time during the year, right? But the way that he plays and your third string center by design or, you know, third string big by design is to push guys in practice and stuff. Can you imagine not only the irritation that he causes everyone else during practice, but also by virtue of the way that he plays the escalated chance of injury during practice that hopefully he tones it down a little bit and does it smart. He's an irritant. He has some athleticism. He has a moderate amount of touch and the hope is that they're doing whatever they can to play, to placate Franz by keeping him around for as long as they need to. And I think that's about it. All right. It's uh, it's Franz Wagner time. So it's, uh, it, this, this is, is going to be the crow. Yeah. This is the official apology that I am more than happy to eat as much crow as needed here, but uh, this yeah, is the, uh, this is the apology. So uh, it is still early. Like, like there's rookies that come out the gate early and then two, three years later, they're not as good as they were out the gate, but I'm willing, I'm very much willing to admit that uh, I got, and we got Franz Wagner wrong at this point. And if this is what he was showing in the workout in the pre-draft workout, this is why the magic gave him a guarantee at eight. Like th- th- this is exactly why he got the guarantee because he was not showing a lot of this at Michigan. This is not what I was seeing in Michigan games. And He's in the rookie of the year hunt with two other guys I've got wrong in the draft as well so far in Scotty Barnes and Evan Mobley. Uh, but, you know, Franz, he might win December rookie of the month. It's that there's still time to go here and he's, he's looking pretty good right now, but we'll, we'll see. But um, he seems like a lock for all NBA rookie first team, at, as long as he stays healthy and he stays fairly consistent to how he's looked so far. But I mean, this guy's only 20 years old. He's the only Magic player to have played in all 31 games this season. He started all 31. It's impossible to imagine him not in the starting lineup permanently moving forward. That's how good he's been. He's at 14.5 points per game, 4.7 boards, 2.9 assists per game, 44.5% from the field, 81% free throw percentage, 
36.3% from three on 3.6 attempts per game. And it's all just very, very impressive for a rookie. He has some heato in him offensively, running point forward and point center and many, and many stints because of kind of our guard injuries. But he actually plays more consistent than Hito. Like Brooklyn was like a Hito game where I think he shot like 417 in the Brooklyn game did Franz, but he did enough elsewhere. And then he ended up hitting like a couple clutch, made a clutch, you know, a couple clutch plays, including that converting that crazy drive where the ball just kind of squirted out and it still went in. But um, defensively, I, I see some. AK 47 in him. I see some Andre Kirilenko in him. He's frustrating guys like Kevin Durant. You know, I think he had six steals on him in, in that last game, uh, home game against the Nets, but um, you know, defenses are keying in on him and he, you know, he had a bit of an offensive slump about a month ago. Maybe so there's some injuries involved. I mean, he got the shit clawed out of him a couple, you know, a couple days ago, but you know, Franz is more often than not dropping 20 point games of late. I think he's hit 20 points, three of his last five games. Now, you know, he's had a 28 pointer. He's had a 27 pointer. Franz's highlight reel is just insane with just some crazy dunks that he's converting some super impressive drives and just layups that play some really tough angles. And he's very good with both hands. And I'm just super impressed by him. His future is bright, and I, I can't put a ceiling on him right now. Like, I can't do it, and I'm really glad this pick's working out, and, you know, it's it's looking good so far. Like, I, I don't see a situation where he regresses as long as he stays healthy and stays kind of as motivated as he seems to be because he didn't come to sh- close to showing any of this in summer league, in college, in preseason, but he he really likes it when the games matter and when he's in an actual – I guess, organized basketball game. But uh, share your thoughts, Betty, about Franz. And uh, yeah. I, I apologize for my stupidity and not seeing it and the things that I said about you. You've been a delight. Um, I think the without he's kept me sane. He's kept him and Cole Anthony have kept me sane this season. Without echoing all of the positives that you've already said, I would just add that um, I think that he plays at a great pace. Um, you know, offensively, he's controlling the possessions. Um, even with when he's got he's many gears, playing, yeah, he's even got when many he's gears. not playing point forward, he's still kind of controlling the possession um, as a secondary ball handler and stuff. And the I think the most encouraging thing, obviously, is that um, you know they're they're featuring him and and feeding him more and putting him in a larger role, putting him in the point forward um, situations he's he's excelling in it most of the time but even when he's not he's he's getting those reps and and getting that experience um, and it'll be fun to hopefully watch for the rest of the year and to see how he continues to grow with um, you know especially when Suggs come comes back to see what kind of partnership they can um, they can develop over time uh, quickly on Michael Carter Williams, he's still out. Uh, maybe we see him after the new year, uh, but we're, we're going to see, but he, he's a vet that I, I, I like. He's been great on, on the bench from what I've seen of him. And he's a guy that, again, I got no problem holding on to him as kind of a third stringer going you know, in the future. Um, Terrence Ross, he's going to be 31 years old in February, uh, 28 games off the bench. This season, 11.1 points per game, 2.4 boards, 2.2 assists, 39.4% from the field, 
29% from three-point range on five attempts per night. And it's not what you want to see from an asset you're trying to trade to a playoff contender. Um, he's out with COVID-19 right now. He took those back injections uh, in the offseason that barely lasted him a month during the season. But, you know, the back seems okay now. You know, he was, he was struggling a bit there uh, earlier on in the season. He's still getting up for some nice dunks, but he's just kind of going through the motions more often than not with these games. I mean, even when he exploded in that first Knicks win where I think he had like 22 points in the fourth quarter or whatever, um, he was not super energized even after all that. It's tough not to envision him being in one of these places uh, on the West Coast, like Portland, Sacramento, Golden State, Clippers, or Lakers by the trade deadline. I just, I'd be surprised if he's not in one of those spots. Um, he's still got a very, a very friendly contract. He, you know, he's got another year on top of this year, but um, I'd rather much, you know, I'd, ra I'd much rather give his minutes to a guy like RJ Hampton, but we, we got to keep playing T Ross and we got to keep giving him touches and hope that he kind of, ups his his stats because he he's he, either he's trying to sandbag himself and not get traded out of Orlando because I mean he said that you know he and his family like being in Orlando or he's just he's start he's the decline is is starting to accelerate a bit here and or something else is going on and just maybe these rumors of him basically potentially being traded are are causing him to play bad but I've always said it. He's never been the type of veteran who's going to be kind of a, a locker room leader type of guy. He's just kind of one of the guys in a locker room and that's okay. Not everybody can and should be a leader. Um, but for what this magic team needs moving forward, they don't need a soon to be 31 year old guy on a rebuilding team, taking, you know, a bunch of shots away from younger guys that need it for their development. What are your Ross thoughts, Benny? Um, it's crazy that he's been here as long as he has. And also, it's a little crazy to me that he's developed into such a fan favorite. Um, I get it. I really don't like, I, I like, I get it for like during the, the, the first playoff stretch, like, you know, we had the really needed a lot of those human torch performances to, to get into the playoffs that, that first time to end that, that, that playoff drought, but you're, you're right. Yeah. I don't understand the, the fan favorite type of type of thing. Sorry, I cut you off there. Well, yeah, just, I mean, obviously there's some, you know, there's been some highlight dunks and and certainly some threes and some difficult threes, but um, on the whole, I, from the second that he arrived, it's been wildly inconsistent. And if you want to call a spade a spade, the fact of the matter is he had a great contract year. And beyond that, uh, this is about what it's been for pretty much the entirety of his tenure here. And uh, this year has not been good. And, and, you know, again, that's another guy that would be better served to have some talent around him to get some easier looks, but he does thrive on difficult shot making supposedly. And mm -hmm. uh, it's, it just, it hasn't been great. This is the worst his three point shots been. And look, he's, he's never been a good defender for us. The way he defends is he gambles. He, he'll get the nice steal and a dunk here and there, but he gambles so much that he's a defensive liability more often than not. And I'm hoping that, you know, the, a team trading for him isn't trading for his defense. They're trading for his shots. And on a potential title winning team, he's going to knock down an open three, most likely, more often than not. And, you know, I, that's why I said it's a good thing that Mo Bamba's playing well because we, he, he's going to be a good trade sweetener for, for Terrence Ross. Um, we'll talk about 
Her- Gary Harrison is second, uh, but let's do Jalen Suggs first. So Suggs, the rook, started 21 games before fracturing his thumb three weeks ago. It's been an interesting past month for, for thumb injuries. There's been a, quite a few NBA players going down with thumb injuries. It, it's funny how that how that happens, where it's kind of the same injury shows up across the league uh, during a small period of time. Um, that's going to happen when Joel Embiid's gigantic hand comes down with a ridiculous amount of force. And yep, that, that, that it broke it. And the, the, the most enraging part about that injury is the rest didn't even call a foul. That That's the mm-hmm. shittier part of that. And then Jamal Mosley, I don't know if he was in tank coaching mode or what, but he, he didn't, he like refused to call a timeout. Somebody, somebody had to commit a foul for, for Suggs to get out of the game. But um, you know, Suggs, he's 20 years old. His averages have not been, you know, have not been good so far. So maybe, maybe the, the time off will do him some good, uh, you know, assuming he, he heals properly, but um, 12.3 points per game, 3.4 boards, 3.6 assists, 3.2 turnovers per game. That's, that's ugly. 33.9% shooting from the field, 25.5% from three. That's not good, even by rookie standards. It's especially not good for a top five pick. Uh, but he struggled a lot. He's he's brought some good energy defensively, but I mean the metrics show he's been one of the worst players in the league offensively and defensively. Um, you know, he's he's struggled a lot. Offensively, he kind of reminds me of Russell Westbrook, his rookie year, where he's just going kind of like a million miles an hour constantly at the rim. He's getting stonewalled all the time. He's a rookie, so he's not going to get calls that maybe other guys would get. Um, hopefully, Suggs will be back before the All-Star break and that he'll he'll learn a lot watching on the bench. Um, again, offensively, it's it's been ugly, and he honestly should have played, I think, a few games in Lakeland before he got hurt, but uh that's not gonna happen that, that wasn't gonna happen they did probably didn't want to hurt his confidence and um i mean he he he, he does show good moments he, he does show you know he's had a few moments late in games he's also had bad moments late in games i just don't think he should be a point guard i don't think he should have the ball in his hands he should be an off ball like i've said it brandon roy cj mccullum type guy where if if you're gonna if you're gonna do it then um you know, that's, he should be an off ball guy. He shouldn't be a point guard. Like give, let, let Markel Foles, let Cole Anthony be the points and just have him play off the offense. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't think he'll, he should be starting when he comes back, assuming Foltz is back. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree with that. I, I, there's been some flashes, right? I mean, he, he has been able to get to the rim um, certainly doesn't get the, all of the calls with maybe all of the contact that actually occurs um the the visual charts like if you look at the rookie graphs to see Jalen Suggs so far in the bottom left quadrants of everything is shocking visually um certainly don't think he's been playing great but when you see the data laid out like that that he's you know (laughs) analytically uh been so bad especially compared to some of the other rookies it's startling visually um there are positive signs and I think it's just the, the biggest thing that he needs to do, in my opinion, um, which is not um, a, a crazy notion, you know, everyone can see he, he's got to tighten his handle. I mean, he, he's yeah, got, he's, loose. he is loose with the basketball. Um, and, and it's, I mean, it, it prevents him from, from, you know, getting to display all of the other gifts that he has offensively. So I think that's the primary way to, to improve um, but he, I mean, he gets to the, he gets to the rim. 
So that's good. And then you got to, the next evolution is finishing more consistently and, and um, shooting the ball more consistently. And we'll see what happens, I guess. All right, Gary Harris. So I got this wrong. I thought he'd lead us in scoring. Gary has been starting to find his rhythm, though, but um, I did think he'd actually lead the Magic in scoring. He's 27 years old right now. He's played 24 games this season. He started 14. He's been a late scratch in a few games uh, leading up to tip-off because he's tweaked a hamstring or leg and you know, when he's not hesitant or worried about getting injured, he's he's been doing okay, and he just kind of needs to build his confidence up, sort of like Chuma, basically. Um, he's at, for the season right now, nine points per game, two and a half boards, just under two assists per game, 43.3% from the field, 32.3% from three on 3.6 attempts. So those percentages keep rising, and it's encouraging. Through eight starts in December, Gary's averaging 14 points per game, Three and a half boards, 2.4 assists um, at 33 minutes per game. And then these percentages are awesome 49.4% from the field and 43.2% from three. All awesome. His $20.4 million expiring contract might be tradable now to a playoff contender if he keeps that up. If he can somehow keep that up for like another month, it might happen. But if I can if I can't get a protected first round pick for him or a good young talent, I'd rather keep him because. Um, you know, wait, I'd rather just wave him and just have that, you know, I wave him, you know, after the trade deadline, just pocket that expiring money. So it comes off our cap sheet. Um, you know, I'm fine starting him now until the trade deadline to see if a, t- a team, you know, makes an offer for him. But, um, you know, Gary's getting better. He's figuring it out. I, I hope he stays healthy because again, he's, he's starting to find kind of that old form that made him good in Denver a couple of years ago. And, yeah, I, I like Gary. Gary's a really good locker room guy. I'm not going to pay $20 million for, to him to, to keep him on the team, but I, I like Gary a lot. He's doing the stuff that you would have hoped Terrence Ross would do with the guys, and I, I just like the way Gary carries himself. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I got in the boat with you. You were very compelling preseason, but I don't think he's going to catch Cole Anthony in terms of no. points per game. Um, he's turned it on lately, as you've noted, which is a positive thing. Hopefully they can extract some trade value out of him. If not, I would be interested to see what happens this summer. Obviously, Otto Porter took a champ, you know, a, a contending discount in Golden State, but um, I, I don't think that Gary Harris, based on the last couple of years, would command all that much money. Um, so to make it, you know, if he's happy and, and content here, um, coming back in a mentoring role, um, that would be something to consider. I don't know how expensive he would end up actually being. Yeah, I just think I think he's just too young to do that, though. I mean, he's 27. Like if he was in his early 30s. I, I could see it, but I, I'd be surprised. But I, I wish it'd be great to keep him. I like Gary, and especially if he's playing like this, like he's he's a good enough defender. Like he shows it in stretches, and he's he's again trying to find in his form on both ends of the court. But um, that's a guy that it, you know when when this team's trying to win again, like that's a guy you want to have, um, just not at that price. So uh, RJ Hampton, he's out with COVID nineteen right now. I think he's asymptomatic because he was just on an IG live with Cole Anthony while Cole and the team were already in Atlanta. And, um, you know, we, we finally stopped trying to play him at point guard. I feel like, so that's, that's helped him a lot. Uh, you know, with his three point shooting abilities and his height, he really should be a shooting guard, or small forward moving forward. Um, 29 games played. He's got to start under his belt, 7.4 points per game, 2.8 boards, 2.3 assists, 39.8% from the field, 
41.7% from three-point range on two-and-a-half attempts per game. He should get way more than two-and-a-half three-point attempts per game when you're shooting almost 42% from deep. The 60.3% at the free-throw line is bad. Just he, he desperately needs to work on that. But he still deserves and needs more than 18-and-a-half minutes per game in my eyes. His future is very bright, even if it's off the bench for now at the moment. Like this, this guy, I, I, I'm an RJ guy. I, I bought that RJ stock. A long time ago, and, and the I'm not jersey. ready to cash in, and the jersey, and the New Zealand Breakers jersey. But I'm not ready to cash that stock in. RJ, his the trajectory is going up. Like he's when you're shooting 42 percent from three, like you deserve more minutes uh, than he's getting at this point. And because he's not a defensive liability, he's a much better defender than Terrence Ross in my eyes. He's going to fill out. He's going to get stronger. And if he can keep that rapid speed that he's got. And if he can kind of learn some of that hesitancy, gear-changing dribble drives that Franz does, he's going to be really good. He just he shouldn't be a point guard. He should be kind of like Mike Miller was, just be a small a small forward. And if you can add in drives to the hole, that's awesome. You, you're, you're, you're going to be a great, great, long-tenured NBA player. Um, any other RJ thoughts? Based on all of the other uh, percentages, I'm concerned about the three-point percentage being an outlier. It's still a relatively small sample size with less than 30 games. Oh, his form's good, year. though, man. He's, he's the, got that The form, form is better. The form is better, but everything else, he's still playing at a million miles an hour. You got to hope that he continues to harness that speed and, again, use it in burst to create advantageous opportunities. You're right. He does have defensive potential. Perhaps uh, maybe a, a slightly more polished and skilled Michael Carter Williams could be a potential future outcome for him. Don't want the magic to give up on him. I don't think his ceiling is as high as you do, um, but I think we got to monitor the shooting percentages across the rest of the year. Um, and hopefully the free throw percentage and the field goal percentage ticks up to make the uh, three point percentage seem more like a, a valid actual um, skill-based number rather than an outlier. That's fair. All right, Etwan Moore, really quickly, he played in the preseason, hurt his knee, no hint of him coming back anytime soon. He's on a one-year deal here, so I don't I don't know what his plan is for the future, but, I mean, if he wants another contract, I feel like he's going to have to play unless he we just give him another one-year next season as a guy off the bench. I mean, maybe he really liked it that much in Orlando. But, um, all right, call Anthony time because – and hopefully, maybe, well, or maybe not hopefully, because he's been, he's, he's had some yeah, interesting Careful critiques. what you say. Hopefully, yeah. Greg Anthony's listening to this, but uh, I, I'd, I'd be pleasantly surprised if he is. Who knows? Um, we, well, he should be listening to this spot. That's, I'll leave it at that. But uh, Cole Anthony. So Cole's been the team MVP so far. Would you agree or disagree? Uh, 100% agree. All right. So he's 21 years old. He's day to day with, uh, with an ankle injury. Uh, would be great to have him back this week uh, from just a bad, uh, just the magic can't win without him. I know we won in Brooklyn Saturday. Uh, that was, I think our first win of the uh, win this season uh, that didn't include Cole Anthony. I think Cole's been a part of the other five wins and a big part at that. Cause I mean, when he's playing great, the magic have, have a shot at any game. And then if he's not playing or if he's playing badly, like we, we get wiped out pretty, pretty quickly by the fourth quarter, but Cole was is the third youngest Magic player in franchise history to record three 30-plus point games. Uh, Shaq and Dwight were the only two younger than him. Cole is fourth in the league in fourth quarter scoring, 
Uh, I think that came from NBA math or stats math. I think it was, I can't remember the Twitter handle, but um, Cole is fourth in the league in fourth quarter scoring at 7.0 points per game in the fourth, which is very good company with the likes of DeMar DeRozan, Giannis Adetokounmpo and Kevin Durant uh, with Fultz out. You know, we can't, we can't win games without Cole. And if Cole's out again, we're, we're definitely in huge trouble, Brooklyn game aside, but in 23 starts, 34.1 minutes per game, Cole's averaging 19.9 points per game. So he's doing the Nick Anderson thing where he's, he's not quite at 20 per, per game, but he's, he's there. Uh, 6.1 rebound, rebounds per game, which is elite for that position and his size. 5.6 uh, assists per game. 41.7 field goal percentage. 36.6% from three at 7.6 a game. So when you're shooting almost eight attempts per game from deep, that's actually pretty solid percentage. He's never going to be a good defender, and we've seen Mosley hide him a bit here of late, depending on the matchup. But he puts in the effort. He'll he'll still on occasion get a help block, like yo, and then he crashes the boards really well. He has that offensive clutch gene. He he's got it. It's it's there, and that's that that's going to keep you in the league a long time just for that. Um, I think there is a world where he's the starting shooting guard next to Markel. I'd like to see it before people deny it. Um, Cole's improved a lot between the three and 16 feet shooting between three to 10 feet. Last season, he shot 29.8% from the field this season. It's 39.2% from the field. So that's like a 10% improvement. And then from 10 to 16 feet, Cole last season shot 49.3% from the field this season. It's an insane 57.6% from 10 to 16 feet. If the magic didn't have the most losses in the league, Cole would be in the discussion for, maybe one of those replacement all-star game spots, you know, he's, he's there. He's been very close. And I, I want to see that Cole and Markel kind of backcourt uh, situation. Definitely, definitely shouldn't be benched when Markel's back. Like if Suggs wants to play, he's gonna have to prove it off the bench. That, that's my viewpoint. He, he certainly has again, all of the intangible things that you want. And especially to for a young player to be a leader on a young team he certainly fits the fits the bill personality wise and brings a lot of things to the table that the franchise hasn't had in a long time or maybe hasn't ever had if you can go all the way back even to the 90s i'm not sure if we've had a personality type um quite like cole um, and that confidence that i think oozes um, and is an infectious in a positive way across the board Lots of improvement, lots of positive, um, you know, lots of lots of big shots, lots of uh, memorable moments. Uh, I would just advise anyone listening to pull up the player comparison on basketball reference per 36 minutes to Trey Burke, which is something that I've said in the past. Um, you would be shocked at the similarity across the board. Now oh, that's take scares, anything that scares away from. Me. Don't scare me like that. Not to take anything away from Cole and not to, you know, disparage anything, but um, pull up those numbers and we'll talk about that on the next pod, maybe, because they're shockingly, shockingly similar. Um, And, you know, you just don't think of Trey Burke as obviously as a starting guard and impact player in the NBA contributor. Yes. Um, So, you know, we'll see what happens pleasantly surprised still to see the the forward progress from rookie year to sophomore year um and and obviously he's had time and he has put the work in on his game okay uh real quick uh so Fultz 
it seems like he's closer to return than J.I. The Magic got off to, you know, a wonderful start last season. Fultz goes down with the ACL in January, and we were done after that. Fultz, I still think, is actually the Magic's best player, even over a guy like Isaac, um, you know, especially if he keeps improving his jump shot. No one can make plays like Markel, and his size, I think, makes him automatically a decent defender, and I can't wait to see him improve in that situation as well. And I think we're in for a pleasant surprise with his jump shot when he comes back. So hopefully we see him by by January. Uh, okay, quickly, uh, has Michael Mulder or Iggy Brzdakis no. uh, earned their <laughs> earned their two-way contract? I say no, you say no. Okay. Um, was Dwight robbed from the NBA 75 list? Yes. Undeniably, Dwight definitely robbed from from it. Look at his resume. He's the most he has the most accolades over guys that were left off the list. Also, why the fuck is Anthony Davison over him? That's yeah. that's my point. Also, if you're talking character, Rick Barry, Dennis Rodman, and Jason Kidd are in there. So fuck off, okay? <laughs> um, thanks, Bob Ryan. Yeah, thanks for not voting for him and you and everybody else. Only three Magic men made that NBA 75 list: Shaq, Patrick Ewing, Dominic Wilkins. Uh, Vince, Grant Hill, Tracy McGrady, Penny Hardaway, I don't really think have strong cases to be in the top 75, but, you know, people will push back on me. I don't know. What do you think about those four guys? Uh, maybe Tracy McGrady, the strongest case out of all of them, but for those, I think longevity, not there. Okay. So, uh, what do we think of the new magic uh, orange anthracite gray jerseys? I think they're better than the past ones, but I think they still ugly because they look ugly because of the anthracite gray. Also we're zero and five when we're wearing these. Uh, we play ugly in them. <laughs> That's a very good point. All right. Um, we appreciate you listening to another episode. Please subscribe and give us a wonderful rating. Tweet us any of your questions and feedback. Penny, what's your Twitter handle? At Spencer Strode. And I'm at Papa Giorgio MBO. And with that, go magic. Take care. Just win. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. Get out the way. Get out the way. Get out the way.